Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our senior pastor, Pastor Omar Lopez, from our Allegiance series in a message he's called Pressure to Conform. Also, if you haven't checked us out on Facebook or Instagram, follow us at PC Paramount and be sure to check out our website as well at praisechapelparamount.com. It has tons of information and constantly being updated with new resources. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning. I said, good morning, Praise Chapel. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? Well, turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I really believe that, and I'm glad you're here today. We welcome everyone, and again, uh, we're glad you're online. We know there's a number of places that you can be this morning, but you've chosen to be in the house of God. So we're glad you're here, and uh, we appreciate you being a part of the service today. Again, we are going to continue our series that we just started last week, and it's a series called Allegiance. Say Allegiance. And what allegiance means, most of you probably already know this, but allegiance means is to support or show loyalty to a particular group, a person, or a belief. All of us have some kind of allegiance uh, to particular, uh, to our family. We have uh, allegiance and a loyalty to them. Uh, You have an allegiance to your wife or to your husband. Uh, You have an allegiance to... Uh, your children, you have an allegiance to your co-workers and to the company that you work in. I don't know if you've ever worked for a company. They even have you sometimes sign uh, a document that's saying that you're not going to go to the competitor or give any information to your competitor. you got to show some kind of allegiance or loyalty to that. You have a, a, an allegiance to your community, that the city that you live in. And, of course, there's a, a, an allegiance to uh, your citizenship and an allegiance to your church family. But I believe the greatest allegiance that we could ever have is our allegiance to Jesus. Hallelujah. Our allegiance to God. And that's what I really want to focus on this morning. Uh, Out of the book of Daniel, uh, and I would recommend uh, that you read the book of Daniel. Actually, the first four chapters, and even all the way to the fifth chapter, is really exciting. It's better than a movie than you can watch. And I'm telling you, the book of Daniel is better than Star Wars, is better than, uh, uh, you know, Born Identity and Lord of the Rings and all of that. Because when you look at the story of Daniel, Daniel, it's full of adventure. It's uh, uh, full of death threats, believe it or not, political intrigue, all these different things. It's better than a blockbuster movie. And guess what? It's not fake. It's real life. And it actually happened to Daniel. And so when you begin to read the book of Daniel, you just can't believe all the different things that happen. And it starts when he's 15 years old, and it ends at the age of 85 years old. And, and I want to just give you a little bit of background, kind of remind you of where we're at, uh, and some of the things that I covered last week, and uh, let you know that the nation of Israel during this time has fallen into a, a spiritual decline. They have uh, totally moved away from God. They have uh, found themselves in idol worship. Uh, All of these things are happening in the nation. Uh, Idolatry, immorality, injustice kind of sounds like our society today. And the Bible says that God has brought judgment to the nation of Israel and has allowed uh, the Babylonian nation to take them over. The Babylonian nation is... uh, the evil empire. See, it sounds like the Star Wars, right? They've come over and they've taken over uh, the nation of Israel. And for 70 years, the nation of Israel is in slavery and is in bondage and is under Babylonian control. Actually, there's three administrations that go through there. I'll talk about that a little bit. But this is a, a pretty adventurous story. But it's real life, and it's giving us a picture. And even the Bible says that several prophets during that time had been warning the nation of Israel. Zephaniah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of them had been warning that if you guys don't turn from your ways, if you don't turn from idolatry and immorality, you're going to lose your freedom And you're going to lose the presence of God in your life. And sure enough, God allowed the Babylonian Empire, a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, comes in, takes it over, and he takes 25% 
of the nation in bondage. And they carry them off as prisoners of war. And they find this young man by the name of Daniel. And he's only 15 years old. But the thing about it is Daniel never goes back. He never goes back to his country. He never sees his parents again. Never sees his friends again. And it's a real amazing story, kind of a rags-to-riches story, because you see this young man who is a prisoner of war later on becomes the most powerful man or second to the most powerful man in the entire uh, 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 nation there. So God basically, he goes from prison, and God promotes him to the palace to a prophet. And he outlasts three administrations. He outlasts the administration of Nebuchadnezzar, the administration uh, also, uh, who, Babylon, Babylon had taken over Assyria, and there was two Babylonian uh, administration, and then there was a Persian uh, administration, and this guy outlasted them all, and he still kept his faith in, 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 you know, regardless of all that was going on, regardless of being taken over by these Babylonians. And here's what I want to focus on this morning. That all of us can relate to because, again, it may sound like a lot, but I'm here to tell you there's many things to end this story that we can relate to today. From Daniel's life, we can see that he withstood the task of conforming. How many know the world wants you to conform to its ways? Even in our society, in our culture, uh, there's pressure to conform. In fact, that's what I want to minister this morning is our allegiance to God when there's pressure to conform to what everybody else is doing. And we feel that pressure all over. If you go on social media, if you go uh, just out in, in uh, your social life and people and what everybody else is doing, we are pressured to conform. And we're going to be tested over and over again as people of God to be tested. In fact, Proverbs 17.3 says, First, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord, what? He tests the heart. And so God is out to test our heart, to see if our allegiance is intact when we are pressured to conform. So I'm going to pray this morning as I minister. I'm going to pray that God will help us as we dive into this message this morning. So, Father, I thank you today for all the people that are here. Lord, they're hungry. Lord, they want to hear a word from you today. So I pray that the word of God would go forth with anointing, with grace. Lord, that it would minister to every person wherever they're at right now in their life. I pray, God, that this word would become real. It would become relevant because your word applies to our lives. Even in 2020, God, we could relate to it. So I pray today, God, that uh, you would speak to the hearts and lives of people. Anoint every word that I speak and let the people hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. And so the Lord will test the heart. He tests our heart. Before every blessing, listen to me, there will always be a testing. If you're going to be blessed by God, you're going to be tested by God. If you want promotion, if you want the blessing and influence of God, there's going to be a time if you want God to use your life, you're going to have to be blessed or you're going to have to be tested. He wants to be sure, listen to me, why do we need to be tested? Because he wants to be sure you can handle the blessing. That you can handle the influence, that you can handle the power, uh, whatever he wants to give you. He wants to make sure that you can handle it. This is why as the church, we don't immediately put people into leadership. They need to be tested first. We need to know that they can handle the pressure, that they can handle the testing in their life. You know, just because they have giftings and just because they have talent, all of those things are good. But they haven't been proven yet. They haven't been tested yet. And what God does is he tests us. Now, what does he test? Listen to me. There are many things that God tests in our lives. And he tests our hearts because he wants to see your true allegiance. He tests our character. He's going to test your integrity. He's going to test your generosity, your loyalty, your faithfulness, your truthfulness, your uh, uh, humility. And if you pass the test, guess what? Many times God will begin to promote you. 
Before you know it, you'll be a person of influence because you have passed the test. In fact, I love the way Paul the Apostle says it, and he really lays it out as why God has used him in such a powerful way. Look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. We speak God's message because God tested us and trusted us. I love that. Because God tested us and trusted us to do it. When we speak, we're not trying to please people. How many can say amen? We're not trying to conform with people. We're not trying to do all that. God who tests our heart. So God tests us, and, he, and when he tests us, he trusts us. So in order to be trusted, you need to be tested. In order to be trusted in a, a, a place of leadership, you need to be tested. And Daniel's character in this book is tested over and over again. We're going to see in the next few weeks all the different tasks that Daniel went through. Not only him, but his friends that were with him, that were loyal with him. They were also tested. But you're also going to see how God began to test him. And when he tested him, he trusted him. And he was given more power, more influence. He became more important because here's the guy in history that God was able to trust. In fact, you may not know this, but Daniel is the only guy in history or in the Bible besides John. How many are familiar with the book of Revelation? Book of Revelation was written by John. It talks about what the last days is. It talks about how the world's going to end. If you want to know how the world's going to end, read the book of Revelation. Uh, and it was written by John. But also, we see how the world's going to end in the book of Daniel. God gives him a revelation. Long before John was ever born, Daniel began to write, and God began to give him vision of what would happen in the future. And in fact, many scholars, that they begin to read many of the prophetic visions that Daniel had in the book of Daniel, talks about the rise of the Roman Empire. It talks about the Greek Empire and so many other things that were shown to Daniel thousands of years before it ever came to pass. Because when you are tested, you can be trusted. Can you say amen? And God many times, believe it or not, here's another one, write this down. God will test us with stress before he trusts us with success. Hallelujah. So we're wondering, why am I going through all of this stuff? Why am I going? Because many times the stress is preparing you for your success. Many times the testing is whether whether or not he can trust you or not. And so last week I talked about how Daniel's life was turned upside down. His world was turned upside down. And even as we're in this 2020, our world has been turned upside down. It's not what it used to be six, seven months ago. Everything has changed, and yet God is testing our hearts whether or not we can be trusted, even in the midst of being tested. Can we still, are we still going to be, uh, our allegiance to God still going to be intact? Are we still going to be faithful to God? Are we still going to put God first despite all the stuff that is going around us right now? And there's going to be different kinds of tests. But I want to talk about the social pressure right now of, of, of getting us to try to conform with everybody else. There is this pressure right now. I'm not going to get political I'm not going to name a bunch of things. I'm just going to tell you, if, if, if you don't know that there's pressure to conform, uh, I don't, some, you, you're, not, you're not alive because it's everywhere. And you're pressured to conform to do something. And maybe even at work, there's a pressure to conform by your boss or by your coworkers. And sometimes we can be pressured to conform to do something that we know is wrong. Are you listening to me? You know it's not right, but they're pressuring you to do it. Maybe even could come from the government. It can come from a higher authority. We're pressured to conform even though we know it's not right. We're pressured to conform to do something by our peers, those that are around us, our friends. We know it isn't right to do. We know it's violating our conscience, but because everybody else is doing it, 
and everybody else believes it, we are pressured to conform to agree with them. Somebody say amen. amen. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, this Babylonian king, takes over the nation of Israel and he begins to uh, focus on the brightest young people that he's got, the best looking. Like I said, I probably would have been caught first. And then the brightest and the most gifted. I'm just kidding. He gets a bunch of these young Hebrews, uh, these Jewish boys. And uh, again, Daniel's 15 years old. And they put them through this indoctrination program. Basically, is going to wipe out, trying to wipe out any memory of Israel, any memory of their faith. Is going to re-indoctrinate them. Anything, any belief that they have. Basically, said, you don't need that God anymore. We're going to secularize, secularize you. All right, I'm trying to say it right. We're going to brainwash you into thinking the way everybody else is thinking today. And you're going to forget about God and all of these things and they teach them a new language, teach them a new culture, teach them some new habits and basically even give them a new religion. The Bible said they even give them new names. Talk about pressure to conform. And the Bible said that Daniel and his friends still kept their faith intact regardless of all of that. In fact, let me read out of Daniel chapter 1 Verse 7, the Bible said the boy or these young men were all given new Babylonian name. Daniel's was renamed Belteshazzar or Shazar, Belteshazzar. Uh, Hananiah was re renamed Shadrach. Michelle, 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 I don't know how to say it, was renamed uh, Meshach. And Azariah was renamed Abednego. Now, what does this mean? Because all of their names, listen to me, were Hebrew names. It had to do, it was connected to the true and living God. So their names had to do with God. And so the Babylonians said, you know what? We're going to rename you with pagan God, a pagan name, and we're going to give you new, new names that are regarded or are or, or referenced to pagan God. So Daniel's Hebrew name, listen to me, his Hebrew name, uh, what it means, it means God is my judge. And so Daniel's name is the Hebrew name, meaning God is my judge. But they named him Belteshazzar, which means Bell protects me. In other words, their Babylonian God protects them, that phony God. Anyway, and then Hananiah, his name, his Hebrew name, is, is, uh, it means God is gracious. But they renamed him Shadrach, which means the moon God. The moon can't do nothing for you, okay? And, uh, and then Mishael, his name means who is like God. In other words, there's nobody like God. But they renamed him Meshach, which means the fertility god. So that might have been good for, some, for a girl or something. But anyway, the fertility god. And then Azariah, his name meant God has helped me. But they renamed him Abednego, which means the servant of Nimbo or Nebo, which is another pagan god. So I, I just want you to catch the picture here. They're giving them new names. They're giving them new identities. They're giving them a new religion. They're giving them all of these different things. And then they even give them a whole new diet. This is what you're going to start eating now. And let me just tell you something. Much of the Jewish religion was ceremonial and had a lot to do with the food that they ate. There was something represented in the food that they ate. And so the Babylonians made sure that they were going to start eating their food. In fact, the Bible says that the king told them they have to eat the, the king's meat. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. The king ordered that the young men should eat the same food and wine served at the king's table while they were being trained. Now, most of us have said, man, I want to eat like a king, man. I, what's the problem? But after they were to become servants of the king of Babylon, but Daniel resolved. In other words, he made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official, this guy was in charge of the staff in the palace, for permission not to defile himself. So I want you to understand what's going on here. 
uh, there was a certain diet that they had to eat. Now, if you're familiar with sports, if you're familiar with maybe the Olympics or you're familiar even with the NBA or NFL, there's a certain diet that they have to eat, a certain amount of food that they have to eat and in order to stay healthy, in order to be able to uh, maintain a, a physical fitness, they call it the training table. Some of us may need some training table, amen. And what you do, so in the training table is items that you eat, and whatever is not on that table, you don't eat, and you stick to a, a strict diet uh, because it keeps you fit. It keeps you, uh, according to whatever, whatever sports you're in, or if you're in college, or if you're in Olympics, or if you're in pro sports, they call it the training table. And the coach tells you, this is what you're going to eat, and these other items is not what you're going to eat because you need to be on a special diet in order to keep you physically fit for whatever sports that you're in. But Daniel is saying, you know what? I'm not going to defile myself. In other words, I'm not going to corrupt myself with the food that the king is giving me. In other words, I'm not going to pollute myself. I'm not going to contaminate myself. What does that mean to defile? It means basically this. If, if we went down to a nice river somewhere and it was clean, I know probably not in L.A., but maybe some beautiful place somewhere in, I don't know, Montana, okay? So we went there and you've seen this nice river and the stream of water and it's clear. You can see right through it. You can see the rocks. You can see the fish. And I just decided to put toxic waste in there I have polluted and I have defiled the water am I right or if my wife all of a sudden uh, she says uh, she's there and I said honey I'm gonna run the bath for you you know and I, I decide to run the bath there and, and, and there for her and I put some candles and some bubble water you know and, and all that and then she gets in the water and I decide to just put some garbage in there I've defiled the, the bath can you say amen so this is exactly, you guys are going, oh man, that's terrible. But what I'm saying to you, this is exactly what Daniel is saying. He's saying that I'm, I'm not going to eat this Babylonian food. It's going to defile me. It's going to contaminate me. And there's three reasons why he said this. And I want you to listen to it. Number one was health reason. The king's food wasn't really all that good. And really, it was really filled with heavy sauces and a lot of sugar. Now, some of you think that's good, and that's actually not good for you. It's kind of junk food. Are you with me? And so, uh, in fact, they say a lot of the king's food, uh, even back in history, you, uh, uh, that's where many people were, they, they, um, throughout history, they say excessive sauces and sugar and alcohol consumption actually is associated with gout. A lot of people referred to the king's disease because only the rich could afford that, and this is why a lot of people go through that. So just thought I'd give you a little health lesson there, okay? And he says, he says, I'm not going to eat this junk food. I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever heard of the Daniel, Daniel fast or the Daniel plan? There's a book that's written and it talks about uh, how, you know, our food has a lot to do with, uh, you know, our health and even affects our spiritual life and our vitality. And so uh, Daniel didn't realize that, you know, 2,600 years later, we would develop the Daniel plan from his health or from his diet. And so he's saying, hey, I'm only going to eat vegetables and I'm not going to eat any of this meat. I'm not going to eat any of this stuff because it's not good for me and it's not healthy for me. And so there was reasons why there was health reasons why he was doing that because he didn't want to defile himself. There was also a cultural reason besides uh, health reason, there was a cultural reason. Uh, the Bible said that God had given the Jewish nation strict instruction about their dietary law. In other words, they were to only eat kosher food. What is that? What is kosher food? Kosher food is considered kosher when uh, it talks about re remnant animals with cloven or split hooves, such as cows, sheep, goats, lambs, oxen, and deer. Any other kind of meat was not permitted. The reason why God gave Israel strict dietary uh, um, uh, food is because he wanted them to know that they were uh, unique. They were special. 
And be not because they were better than everybody else, but you're special and unique, not only as people, but what you eat. And so God had chosen them and had given them instruction that there were cultural and there was also national and religious reasons why they weren't to eat a certain amount of food. Are you guys bored yet? I'm just trying to help you guys out a little bit. And so we need to know that this diet was required of them uh, because God was saying they were unique. In other words, God said, I don't want you to eat any man-made food. I want you to eat only food that I've made. How many know processed food is not made by God? Can you say amen? So, so I'm just not trying to tell you guys, trying to help you a little bit, okay? If it grows on a plant, it's good. But if it's made in a plant, it's probably not so good. So anyway, and, but we do know this. We also know that in the New Testament, God says any meat is good. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is bad. In other words, it won't defile you. It's not what defiles you that goes into you. It's what comes out of you. Can you say amen? So we know all of those things, but it's not wrong to keep a healthy diet. So here is, here is um, Daniel trying to follow these things that he learned growing up, follow these dietary uh, program that God had put in him uh, and he was raising them. But then there was another reason why, and this is the most important reason why he did not want to eat any of the king's food is because there was a spiritual reason. Say spiritual. And the reason why it was spiritual because most of the food that the king ate was sacrificed to idols. And it was also, he took it as a spiritual attack on his identity. He was basically saying, you know, you changed my name, you, you're indoctrinating me, all this stuff. Now you, you, now you want me to eat this food that has been uh, sacrificed to idols. There's something spiritual about this. And so Daniel said, I'm not going to do it. And uh, I, I, I'm going I'm, I'm to ask you right now, let me eat something different. And so the food was testing his integrity. Was he going to defile himself? Was he going to violate his conscience by eating the food that the king was giving him? So the first test that a lot of us are going to go through in our walk with God and our pressure to conform with everybody else is your integrity. Are you going to stay honest and trustworthy to God even though people are pressuring you to do something else? His integrity. What does integrity mean? It means to be honest. It means to have a strong moral principle. It means to have or to be trustworthy. Remember, they changed his name and they changed where he lived. But basically what Daniel was saying, you can change my location, but you can't change my heart. Can you say amen? You can change where I live, but you can't change my heart. And Daniel, the Bible says, resolved that he was not going to defile himself, that he wasn't going to flow with this. He said, I'm not going to do this. There's a, there's a great scripture out of Romans 12 too. I'm going to read it to you. It said, don't conform yourself to the values of this world. Instead, let God transform you and com a complete change of how you think, then you will be able to know the will of God. In other words, this morning, you'll be conformed or you're going to be transformed. Most of us this morning, you're either going to conform or you're going to be transformed. You got to decide in your life this morning, are you going to be conformed to the world? Are you going to do what everybody else is doing? Are you, going to, uh, are you going to keep your integrity? Are you going to talk the way everybody else talks? Are you going to smell the way everybody else smells? Are, are you going to walk the way everybody else walks? Are you going to do what everybody else is doing? Or are you going to stand for God? I said, are you going to stand for God? You can be today conformed by the world or you can be transformed by the word of God. And it's time that people of God today realize, you know what? I'm not going to let the world pressure me into doing things that I know that are not right. And, and in, uh, in his conscience, Daniel said, this is not right. I shouldn't be eating this. This is not what I should be doing. Uh, God already gave me a diet. Uh, I'm not going to conform to what everybody else is doing. And so basically Daniel was saying, I'm going to keep my integrity before God. So your integrity is going to be tested. The second thing today that I believe that's going to be tested is our discipline. 
Are you going to keep your discipline with God? Are you going to keep your life in order? Or are you going to do what everybody else is doing? See, because we're not careful today, the temptations and all the, all the things that are pulling on us, if we don't have any discipline, we'll just give in to anything. Hey, take this. Okay, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, what? I'll drink that. Yeah, I'll smoke that. No big deal. The Bible says Daniel made up his mind or he resolved not to eat the food and the wine given to him by the king. This shows us tremendous discipline in spite of the great temptation. Like I said, most of us would have said, man, man put some more sauce on that pizza, man. You know, let's, let's eat all that stuff. Let's eat it. I don't care. I sacrifice every animal. I don't care. Sacrifice. I'll eat it, man. You know, no big deal. But Daniel realizes, you know what? I'm not going to do that. It violates my conscience. And so he speaks up. Here's the thing about him. He's so disciplined. And he's not trying to be rebellious. He's not putting a protest out on the street or anything. He goes to the staff person, the guy, one of the staff that's in charge, and he said, listen, I need to just tell you something right now. I can't be eating this, this food. I know you want me to eat it. I know it's gourmet food. I know it's expensive. I know all of these things, but, but I can't do this. It violates my conscience. It violates, in other words, he's being tested here. Is he going to keep his discipline? See, sometimes people are giving too much too quickly, and you just see them get, their whole life falls apart. I don't know how many times you've ever uh, seen uh, or you've ever watched some documentaries on, like, these NBA players or NFL players, and they're taken off the streets very young, and they, they have all this talent, but they still have their mentality still back somewhere else. And then they're giving all this money. And all of a sudden, they have all this money that they never had before. They have no discipline. They don't know how to control the money. They're buying all kinds of stuff. They're hanging around with all kinds of people. And it's just crazy. They have all these entourage of people following them because they're feeding them and giving them money. These people don't even like them, but they but, but hang out with them because they got money and because they're partying all this time. And, and, the, and there's too much power. And these kids are ruined early. Some of them, they, you know, they only last a couple of years. And next thing you know, they're not even, they're not even playing anymore. I, I'm just thinking of one of the... A football player recently or the last few years that 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 man he was he was a promised guy to go this guy's going to be good but next time you know he's partying everywhere he's got no discipline and uh, he's got all this money that he's made making millions of dollars he hasn't even they, he already has million dollar contracts and he hasn't even started playing yet he starts playing next thing you know he's got no discipline and daniel is incredibly disciplined at 15 years old and his parents aren't not even around. So if you're a teenager here, stop whining, okay? Oh, it's so hard. You guys don't know what I'm going through. Daniel was in worse case than you were. You can still be a young person and serve God and be disciplined in your life. In fact, I'll commend you. God commends you when you're not conforming to what everybody else is doing. This is exactly what Daniel is saying. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to defile myself. Their parents are not around. Nobody's around. Uh, none of his mentors are around. But yet in his own heart, uh, he knows what he should be doing and not be doing. He goes, I'm not going to let you convert me. And allow." And, I'm, I, and so he goes, I'm not going to do any of those things. You, you're giving me all this stuff, but I'm not going to do it. Some of us this morning, you're blessed with so much stuff. Just because you're, you can afford it doesn't mean you should buy it. There's something you, you need to save a little bit of money. You, 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 need, you don't need everything new every time. Oh, man, this phone is six months old. I need a new one. Uh, my car, you know, is only a year old. I need a new car. I need to, you know, that's undisciplined. You're just wasting money. You got to learn the lesson of the value of money, the value of not having a payment. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're clapping today. You got you to have some discipline. Discipline honors God. Did you know that? Romans 6.13 said, do not let any part of your body. That means no part of your body, your eyes, your mind, your hand, any part of your body become a tool of wickedness used for sinning. Instead, give yourself what? Completely to God. 
Because, he, he, because you want to be a tool in the hands of God used for his good purpose. So God was working through Daniel. He had disciplined himself. God was able to operate his life despite the pressure to conform. The third thing that he had is courage. Say courage. Remember the guy from the Wizard of Oz? He was willing to stand alone. It took a great amount of courage to be able to do what Daniel did to stand up to the system, to stand up to what the pressure was. It was almost an insult. I wouldn't say almost, but it was an insult to the king for Daniel to say, listen, I'm not going to eat your food. It's junk food. I'm not going to do that. I, I got my own diet. It was, it was kind of a, a rib, but he, had, he was a conscious uh, or conscientious, conscientious objector. He was saying, you know what? Uh, I, I can't do this. I, I, I don't, I, you know what? I can't defile myself. This is not the way I was raised. And so he stands with courage and he was willing to stand alone. He was willing to say, you know, just because the majority says it's right, many times the majority is wrong. Hallelujah. I said the majority is wrong. Just because the majority might like a particular value, just because the majority may pass a certain law, doesn't mean the value and the law is right. Just because everybody else said this right, God's law is what's right. God's law is what's righteous. And see, God decides what's truth and what is not. Can you say amen? I read this quote, God's not going to rewrite the Bible for every generation so stop trying to change the scripture when it's written to change you. All right? Every generation says, oh, it's outdated. So we're going to just rewrite the Bible for every, every 10 years, for every generation. It's, it, you know what? It, the Bible is not up to majority vote. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And so Daniel stood for righteousness. He didn't follow the crowd. He didn't do what everybody else is doing. I like Exodus chapter 23 verse 2. It says, never follow the crowd in doing wrong. And don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. If we're not careful, we allow the majority to sway us. We allow the majority to try to get us to confirm, conform. We need a little bit of courage. I said, you need to stand for God a little bit. You need to stand for righteousness. He said, I'm not going to be swayed by you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, stand true to what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong. We need some strong and courageous men and women today. Stand for what you believe. Don't listen to what the culture is telling you. Stand for God. And the last thing, Daniel, his humility was tested. He was tactful with authority. And this is important. Because, uh, you know, right now, especially in the time that we live in, there's a, 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 the authority saying you got to do this and you got to do this. And, and I'm saying uh, I'll do it as long as it doesn't violate my values and violate the word of God. Can you say amen? If, it gets, if it's morally wrong, I'm not going to say it's right. The Bible says that Daniel, again, had made up his mind. He had resolved in his heart what he was going to do. But he didn't respond in an arrogant and prideful way. Okay? He was tactful. The Bible says that the moment he, he was instructed to eat a certain way, that the food, uh, that he was supposed to eat this food, that the Bible says he approached the chief guy, the, the guy that was in charge. And he asked him, hey, is there a way that I can eat some vegetables instead? He was kind of like a vegan, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm, I'm good, I, I don't want to eat none of this meat. Again, not because the meat was bad, but because it wasn't kosher and because it was sacrificed to idols. And he goes, uh, he, he had uh, basically resolved not to defile himself. I'm not going to eat it. And so he went to the chief official for permission. He said, uh, listen, uh, could I, could there, is there a way around this? And the chief said, well, listen, if I give you a break, my head's coming off. There off of the head, man. I don't want to do that. I'm sorry. I try to accommodate you, but I can't do that. So then he went to like the supervisor that he had a good relationship with. He went to the main boss. Then he went to the supervisor who had a relationship with him. And he said, listen, um, I need to talk to you now. Is there a way? Now, before I get into this, and again, we're running out of time. He predetermined. He decided ahead of time what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. Can you say amen? Yeah. 
A lot of us this morning, we need to serve God and we need to have a resolve. You need to pre-decide what you're going to do and not what you're not going to do. Can you say amen? In other words, this morning, so many times uh, we say, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll decide when I get there. No, you need to pre-decide before you get there. You need to resolve before you get there. You can't get there and say, well, you know, it, uh, pastor, you know, it looks so good. So I gave in. You know, I knew God would forgive me later. You got to predetermine. You got you to gotta predecide. I would argue all day, listen to me, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to exceed spiritually, you got to determine ahead of time what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Especially if you're a person this morning dealing with things in your life. You can't decide, well, you know, I'm going to go to this family gathering. And when I get there, I'll think about whether I'm going to drink or not. You got to predetermine that I'm going to go there, but I'm not drinking. I'm not giving in to that. You have to predetermine. You can't wait till you're in the backseat of a car with that girl to say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I was, I'm feeling, you have predetermined. I'm not going to be in the backseat with a girl already. So you have to decide ahead of time. See, a lot of us this morning, we wait till we get there. You didn't resolve. And, and Daniel resolved already ahead of time that, you know what, I'm not going to do this. See, one of the things that even as a young man, when I got saved and gave my life to Jesus, I predetermined. I resolved. I'm not going to get into fornication. I'm not going to go drinking. I'm not going to get into drugs. I predetermined. And I'm not going to get myself in circumstances like that. And sometimes I found myself, I said, that's my fault, but I'm, I'm, I, I need to run. I need to get out of his place. I need, to, I need to go another direction. Are you with me? You got to predetermine you're not going to go get drunk. You got to predetermine you're not going to uh, do drugs. You can't wait till you get there and say, well, you know, uh, all this stuff happened. You got to predetermine you're not going to flirt with that person at, at work. You got to predetermine. That you're not going to get on Facebook and look at things you shouldn't look. You got to predetermine. You got to resolve. Somebody say amen. You got to resolve in your heart that you're not going to give in to the pressure that everyone else is telling you that you can do. And the Bible says he was very tactful here in, in how he showed humility toward authority. He wasn't, again, uh, uh, saying all kinds of things. He wasn't doing a protest. He wasn't mean. He wasn't saying, forget you. We hate you. He wasn't saying any of those things. Remember, this was a pagan leader. And he was able to go and say, listen, uh, 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 he comes to the chief uh, official and he says, I, I need some permission here. Instead of eating this food, uh, let me eat this food. And the guy said, well, you know, if we let you do that, the supervisor said, then when uh, uh, you're, you're going to look weak later on. Because they were saying, there's no way, you're going you're gonna to look skinny. He goes, why don't we do a test? He said, for 10 days, let me and my friends here eat vegetables and let us eat our diet. And in 10 days, you compare us to the other guys. And sure enough, he goes, okay, we'll do a little test. And so after 10 days, they go, man, you look pretty good. Man, all that, those vegetables are not too bad. You know what? You look healthier than the other guys. And so they go, go ahead. And so they begin to supply him with the vegetables instead of the king's meat because somebody resolved in his heart that he was going to stand for God, that he was going to have integrity, and he was going to have the courage. Again, he wasn't going to violate his conscience. If I can have the musicians come up, I want to just say this to you. You need to make up your mind how you're going to stand for God and not give in to what everybody's telling us to do. There's examples after examples in the Bible. Queen Esther had to make an appeal before the king. The Bible says she risked her life. Joseph made an appeal to Pharaoh to, to basically told him the interpretation of the dream and what needed to be done. Paul many times made an appeal to the Roman Empire over his persecution. And Daniel makes an appeal of how he needs to live right and not conform to everything else. Friends, we're gonna, we're, we're, we have to, again, our appeal before our authorities and everything else. We appeal, we pray, but we're not going to violate our conscience. We're not going to allow them to tell us what we can't do when it comes to worshiping God. Can you say amen? And when it comes to following the word of God, we won't do it. We won't do it. 
Daniel was able to take a stand. And so the world today is pressuring us to do things. The world is putting all kinds of temptation and filling us with all kinds of junk. I, and again, I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm just telling you, you, you need to put God first. I'll, I'll say this. You need to put God first, not your race first. Okay, I'll say that. Not your race first. You need to put God first. God becomes before any political party, before your race, before any, any of those things. God needs to be first. What does God say? What does God say the way I need to believe? You know, my beliefs need to line up with the word of God. And if they violate God's word, then I'm wrong. And I'm not going to violate God's word. Just because everybody else in the world says, it's okay to do, don't worry, it's not a big deal. Oh, we're in 2020, man, do whatever you want to do. Oh, that book is old. No, no. That book is God's word, and it still stands today. And I'm not going to move from that today. I want us to bow our heads today and close our eyes for just a moment, if you can, please. Just close your eyes, bow your head, just in reverence to the Lord. That's all. It's not because I'm telling you. Just at the moment of reverence before God. Holy Spirit, we thank you today all over this room. Lord, that you would reach across this building by the power of God, by the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. And God, that you'll help us today not to conform, not to give in to the pressure. Lord, not to yield, God, uh, not to violate our conscience, not to violate the word of God. Because people are pressuring us to do it. Because the society, the majority, even our relatives, even people that we know, God, we're not going to give in to that. We're going to have the courage. We're going to have the integrity and the humility. God, today, to stand for you. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord. If you're in this room for just a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, and Christians praying quietly. If you're here right now, and you don't know the Lord, you've never given your life to Jesus. There's a God in heaven that loves you. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what people have said. I don't care what the majority have said. God is real, and he loves you cares about your life and there is a heaven there is a hell i don't care what the world has said there is one and you're going to go either to heaven or hell and i'm here to tell you today god wants you to go to heaven jesus says man i go to prepare a place for you if it were not so i would have told you so he goes i'm going right now and then jesus says i'm the way i'm the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by him so Jesus is the way to heaven. It's not your own deeds. It's not your own way, your own philosophy. That, that's not going to get you to heaven. You, you need the Lord in your life. You need Jesus in your life. Jesus said he is the way. He is the truth. If you've been believing something else, you've been believing a lie. And he is the life. You want to really know what, how to live, you need to live for God. Give your life to him. If you're, if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need the Lord in my life. I want the truth in my life. I want the way in my life right now. I want Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You raise your hand right now. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need the Lord in my life. Just raise your hand right now. If there's anyone in this room, anyone in this room want to pray for you? Back over there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? We don't want you to leave this room without the Lord in your life. Just raise your hand if you haven't raised it up already. We'll pray for you. Lift your hand. Don't be embarrassed. We're, I'm not here to embarrass anyone. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to encourage you and tell you the answer is Jesus. That's who, that's who you're looking for today. And you can search around the whole world. You're going to come to the same answer. His name is Jesus. Stop your searching today. Your search ends. You need the Lord in your life. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up already. Maybe you were once serving God. Maybe you were once walking with God. But you're away from God today. You need to come back to the Lord. Raise your hand right now and say, I need to come back to Jesus, Pastor. I know what you're saying. I know what you're talking about. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Somebody raised their hand back there. Look up at me. You mean that? You mean that? Would you come? I, I need someone to come with this, with, with this man here. Pray with him. Why don't we all stand together? Praise the Lord. God's so good, isn't he? God bless you, brother. Amen. God bless you, bro. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. Would you pray with him, Johnny? Pray with him, man. Lead him to the Lord right now. God's so good, isn't he? 
We need Christians today that will stand. We need some Christians with courage. We need some believers this morning that will resolve in their heart. You got to pre-decide. Hey, I'm going to stand for God. I've been serving God 39 years. The next year, 2021 in February, I'll be serving God for 40 years. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit, the grace of God has empowered me. But I will also tell you, on my part, it's been a predecision. It's been a re- I've resolved in my heart that I'm going to serve God no matter what. And from that moment, I said, I'm going to serve God no matter what. If my family doesn't serve God, if my kids don't serve, if the whole world don't serve God, I'm going to serve God. I predecided that. I love you guys. I want you guys to go to heaven. But can I tell you something? If you back today, I'm still serving God. I, I'm just going to tell you, if you decided, Pastor, we're, I, I, I pray for you, but you're, you're not going to sway me. There's no one that's going to sway me. I resolved a long time ago. And I told God, I made the commitment at the altar, God, I will never go back. I said, I'll never go back. And I'll tell you what, that's the best decision I've ever made. And I'm, I'm going to serve God, man, to the day I die. We need some believers like that, that would just resolve, that just say, you know what, I've decided. You know what, you need, you need to be able to tell your relatives, your friends, I love you, I care about you. But I'm going to serve God. I'm, I'm not going to go to hell with you. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to violate my conscience. I'm going to stick to my conviction. I'm going to stick to what God did in my life and how he saved my soul. I'm, I'm going to fulfill my commitment. We don't live by our emotions. We live by our commitments. You got to decide in your heart. Resolve in your heart. That we're going to serve God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.